Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. And I'm Ryan Ireland from craftquest.io. And we are being uber professionals sitting here on a Monday morning re-recording this podcast because we had to throw one out, right, Ryan? Yeah, it's a Sunday morning though, Andrew. You're all mixed is it? up. Yeah. I don't even know what day it is. I don't even know what's going on anymore. Let me tell you something. Let all me right. tell you something. Tell me. Patrick told me about this TV show mythic quest and i'd heard of it but i looked at it and i'm like this looks dumb because it's a show about a video game company they make this mm massively multiplayer online rpg game right yeah and i'm just like you know what i was in the industry at one point in my life for 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 a lot of it and i don't need to see this like this is this looks stupid i don't mm-hmm. know sometimes shows that are about your thing that you do are kind of cringy you know what i mean because they're they're very cliche and whatever so he was just like no man you got to just check it out. You got to just check it out. Just watch one episode. It's This <laughs> show is so Andrew. And I was like, fine. So on, on Friday, I started watching the first show. Yeah. And Ryan, I was up until like four or five in the morning <laughs> on Friday. Like, I'm not even kidding you. Like I sat there and I binge watched the whole first season. Oh my well, God. I just looked at this. So Charlie Day, is that from It's Always Sunny? Is that who that is? Yes, I believe that is him. Okay. Yeah. And then Rob McElhaney. I know he has done maybe cringy comedy. I can't yeah. remember. Okay. All right. That sounds like a good, those are the creators or two of the creators. And then Megan Gans is the other. It's that sounds- so good though. It is so good because I, I have either worked with, known, or been about a dozen of the characters that are in the show. Yeah. And they are just, it's, it's so good, man. It is so good. Like I would definitely, it's on, it's on Apple plus. Yeah. So you need that. And if you have looked at this and passed it by because you're like, oh, this is going to be stupid. It's awesome. It is freaking well, awesome. It, so I'm in, I'm not, it's a little bit early for me, but I just realized that both Rob McElhinney, of course, and Megan Gantz and Charlie did, they're all, it's basically like the trio from It's Always Sunny are basically creating yeah. a new show. And I watched that show a little bit and I never got super into It's Sunny. I know some people absolutely love it. So I can't, I don't, I wouldn't say I there are. I like it. If you like Kim's Convenience and stuff like that, I think you would like it. Or, I, like I said, I tried. I don't know. For whatever reason, it didn't happen. But listen, yeah. I'm just saying, if you have Apple uh, TV Plus and you have passed by this show, check it out. Like watch the first episode or two. It is absolutely Absolutely hilarious, Ryan. I thought it was fantastic. But that's one of the reasons, like, I'm all groggy. And it's not from, like, going out and partying and having fun. It's because I sat on my butt and I binge-watched this show. And I'm still not recovered from it, man. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah. I've been watching on Apple TV+. Plus. They're really starting to kill it with their own series. I've been watching Foundation. and Now, I started that because okay. you told me to watch it. Mm-hmm. No. <sighs> I think it I think it might be too and I read the books years and years ago. Right. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't in the, the right time, mood. Is it the jumping between time? It it can be hard to track like what's happening. It seemed very plotting. Like it it reminded me of uh, the original Dune movie. 
right. or some of those series that are just it's much it's much more slow moving. Totally. And yeah. And I, I think, you know what, I honestly, I think what part of the problem was is I think it's the kind of show that I need to pay attention to more. You can't and have I your was, laptop open and work on stuff. while you're, That's what I was doing. That's yeah, exactly yeah, what I was that. doing. Yeah, yeah, you have to yeah. sit and focus yeah. and and watch it. So last night we started watching because I had watched all my shows. We started watching Squid Game. Have you heard of this? I've heard of it. I haven't started it. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, my gosh. I heard it's not for watching with kids, though. No, it is not. It's definitely not. <laughs> Not for watching for, with kids, and we did not. But we looked at each other and said, "Why?" Like, so it was number one in on Netflix. It was ranked as like one the most popular show. And we looked at each other and said, "Why do people watch this?" And then halfway or more than halfway through the second episode, we're just like, "This is awful." But we kind of want to know like what happens now. Like, I kind of get why people are watching it. It's so terrible. Mm. Um, and it's not because I had I had mentioned to my wife earlier as we were trying to find something to watch. I said, "I don't really want to watch a like a true crime or some." real i mean this is definitely twisted but twisted yeah. creepy thing that would that's like twisted and creepy with homicide or things like that i don't really find those as entertainment i think it's it's all just kind of creepy and twisted but squid game is definitely creepy and twisted but it's also it seems so implausible that you you can you can just let it kind of rise above real life yeah it's the strangest thing um, it's sort of like cartoon violence right in that if you if you look at exactly what is actually going on you're like wow that's messed up but yeah you, yeah I, I yeah. get you. And it's, you know, it's it's also interesting. It's it's a South Korean show. Yeah. So it's interesting just from the settings and stuff like that. So it's not a traditional Western North American plotted show like that. So so I can use the, the two phrases that I know in Korean. Fantastic. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, definitely not for kids, but I kind of want to like see what happens. I don't know. So yeah. Foundation, by the way, they said they're going to, I was listening to the, the podcast that's made for the show. And I think they, that one of the, the showrunners said that something about like eight seasons. Oh, wow. Which seems like I was kind of like, well, I don't know if I want to get all that invested now because <laughs> like I don't have eight seasons worth of time to like, right. you know, I'll be like almost halfway through my 50s if they do it like one season per year, but they probably do more than that. They probably do two seasons a year. Well, I, I doubt it. You, I don't think they're going to do two seasons a year. Why would they do that? I don't know. I've always thought the streaming services do things a little more rapid than they yeah. than well, the network shows always did. I don't know. I well, remember I remember new season starting when school started in September and then ending when school ended in the spring. Listen, man, don't even talk to me because I remember when TV stations, when they're only a couple of them and i remember <laughs> when they would go off the air i yeah. remember that you would be watching them the national anthem would play and then there'd be static right yeah 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 <laughs> all right uh, one of the other things that i want to get to ryan because mm -hmm. we have to address this we haven't addressed this anywhere else okay is i made a promise to you and i broke my promise <laughs> Let me pull up my text i was away on vacation i told mm -hmm. you i would read a book yeah, I even I even picked out a book that was Ryan approved. You you weren't happy that I was going to read on WebAssembly, and you weren't happy that I was going to read on test driven development. Yeah, we picked out Conrad's Heart of Darkness, which is a book that I've actually wanted to read for a long time. I also, I'll be honest with you, I picked it out because it wasn't that big, and I'm like, oh, this is something that uh, I could probably accomplish without a problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, page twenty nine, Ryan, page twenty nine. That's where I got to. <laughs> so your uh, your youngest son messaged me probably while you're on vacation. And he said he read 28 pages. Yeah. So he, he was making sure that you didn't have an opportunity to uh, lie about, about your reading progress. I don't know what it is about, but my kids love to see it when I fail for one reason or another. Uh, well, so yeah. <laughs> it's a good, it's he, good to, uh, to model that for them. He's definitely going to be keeping track on this, but yeah, thanks Brian. You just, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, just letting me know I'm not going to win no Father of the Year award. All right, so what happened then? So I started off strong. I read a decent amount. I figured, you know, I'll read maybe 15, 20 pages a day and it'll be no problem, no sweat. So two nights in a row, I read in it. Everything was great. And then we were doing so much stuff during the day. And the place we we're staying at was a, a very old house in Cape Cod. Yeah. And it was not the most comfortable in terms of the the mattress was definitely from it had been around for like was 50 it a classic like beach house rental with seashell decor everywhere this was a house that they actually grew up in there was some of that but the most honestly like we we drove there and we pulled in to the driveway late, late at night because we it was a little bit dark when we got there and i swear to yeah. god like i stopped halfway pulling through and looked over at my wife and i'm like are we gonna die because this looked <laughs> exactly like one of the openings to like the cabin in the woods and that like horror movies where you're pulling up the driveway it was a, a dirt driveway embedded yeah. back in the trees and there was just nothing around no light no anything i was like oh my god you you could um, have been in the next netflix series for sure i could have been the next netflix series for for real yeah and it was a real old style house so it, it was really fragile i guess you could say there was yeah. not a lot of electricity so they had lamps in every room so if you wanted to go in a room you had to turn on all the, the uh, tabletop lamps that were sitting there not a, a central light switch kind of thing and then right. they were, instead of air conditioning, they had all these fans all over the place. Whatever store sold fans and lamps, they, they made a fortune off these people because every room had them all over the place. And it also had, it is, this might be, it could be when the house was made and it could also just be the area, I don't really know, but it had like a fragile plumbing system and it was, it was very, it was nothing wrong with it, but it was definitely, definitely a, a throwback, shall we say, like going back in time, maybe 50 years and, and what you might expect in terms of the modernity of the house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the Airbnb lotto, right? You just well, don't know what you're going to get. The reason I'm even mentioning that is just that I'm just setting it up like the bed itself wasn't that comfortable. So I, I wasn't sleeping that great. Mm -hmm. So when it came time to go to bed from all the stuff we're doing during the day and from not sleeping that great, I was just tired, man. I was just like, you know what? I could read or um, I could just go to sleep. And uh, yeah, I just went to sleep, Ryan. So I failed and I'm going to publicly admit that I have failed, but I have, I have not given up. I've got my hammock set up and I'm planning to do a little reading today, actually, believe it or not. Hey, it is definitely hammock weather right now, at least here it is. Yeah. Kind of getting a break in the in the heat a little bit. So this is going to transition to something else okay. that I wanted to ask you about. I want to set up a, a hypothetical for you <laughs> You're good and see how you would handle this as a tech parent. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say that your daughter really, really wanted something. Mm -hmm. And let's say that she was pretty tech savvy mm -hmm. and she went into your wife's purse and she took one of the credit cards that was in there, signed up for her own Amazon account. Oh, no. Also signed up for YouTube Premium and Google Workspace and a whole bunch of other things like that. And let's say that they racked up, you know, $500 or so in charges. <clears throat> How would you handle that in terms of uh, dealing with disciplining this child? Wow. Uh, that's hard to say. So I would say that the... I thought you were going to ask me a device access question. Snuck, you know, snuck in some iPad time or some computer time yeah we're well beyond that Ryan so but uh I would say that um that is making me pause a minute because there's there's an egregious violation of trust when you yes go into it's one thing to go on the Amazon account that exists and order something yep but it's the 
It's the going to the purse. Wow. This it's the is a disrespect, really, and yeah, you know, violation of privacy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, I would I would probably Is it boarding school time? Do you just package them up and I send mean, them off? Military school, probably. Military, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is where this is where I have the advantage and you have the advantage of being a two parent household where I can yeah. we can have a consultation with each other and just say, how the heck are we going to deal with this? Because my immediate reaction is to basically like scream, <laughs> you know, like right. and just be right. like irate. Right. Mostly out of for me, it would be mostly out of I would just be hurt by it, basically, just because. like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think there would have to be some consequence that's of considerable in nature. Oh, sure. sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. I don't know. But I try not to default back to too much old school parenting where it's a lot of consequence based parenting. Right. That seems seems pretty beyond the pale, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So hypothetically speaking, uh, that's I'm, I can't even I'm not sure what I would do. I would definitely be like I am right now trying to struggle to figure out how how to approach the problem. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying that there's any correlation between the two, um, yeah. but you're you're probably not going to be seeing Tyler on Tyler's Tips uh, on the podcast on CraftQuest anytime soon. Okay. It's probably not a thing that's going to be happening. Yeah. And um, yeah. <laughs> it, it really what it boils down to with him is lack of impulse control. Mm -hmm. If he really wants something or really wants to do something, mm -hmm. he, do he doesn't think about anything else. Yeah, and uh, it got him in uh, got him in hot water. But I'm I'm bringing this up not to air my own personal dirty laundry or whatever. But I think it's kind of interesting because lots of us are dealing with being parents in an environment where the kids have access to so much stuff, man. Yeah, like they they can just Google it. They can do this. They can do that. And just <laughs> consider yourself lucky if they don't express a whole lot of interest in in going out and doing this stuff because it's hard to police this stuff. It is, and I feel like we. we we lost a lot of ground during the pandemic, like early on in the pandemic, when yeah. at least in our case, the only friend to friend communication was initially electronic. Yeah. And then yeah. it was like outside and that kind of subsided. But we already had seeded ground. And yeah. and mostly because we didn't know we didn't know what was going on, what like how long this was going to be, what the proper protocol is. Yeah, I definitely see it. And I don't even blame the kids because honestly, like most parents have terrible online and device habits as well. And they're modeling sure. that for the kids. They don't realize it. They don't realize that while they're waiting for the fried potatoes to fry, that they basically are whipping their phone out of their back pocket and, and taking a peek at it, you know. Yep. And that's modeling all sorts of device addiction behavior for other people. Now, I remember someone saying that kids don't do what you tell them. They do what they see you doing. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, so it's a very, it's definitely true, Ryan. Definitely absolutely. true. And I have a, a very, because that we hold our child to a certain standard in that if we don't meet that just because of how she is maybe because she's half german is that she calls it out when we don't hold ourselves to that same standard mm, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of interesting no 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 we get that too yeah. trust me we, they they notice it immediately and they call it out immediately yeah so one thing that i've been doing and you might have noticed this when you text me sometimes is uh, with ios 15 they came out with those focus modes thing yes and so i just have it when i hit the geofence around my house on weeknights i basically just have it go into family mode to where I don't get any notifications on my phone except for my wife and my daughter just to kind of keep that the phone vibrates you know let me go pick it up thing keeping that you know breaking that yeah that habit broken so many things
things yeah. in our you know society with electronics being too much of a focus. And you get to spend more time with your family and your your kids. I mean, here's the thing though: you only have a couple of years until your kid wants nothing to do with you for the most part. Right? Oh yeah, I mean, we're getting we're in like the tween. You know, I mean, you, you're yeah. more. You're, you're I guess you're probably straddling both sides of it at this point. Yeah, but yeah. But, well, our our older son, he's tech savvy, but has no interest in a lot of this stuff at all, mm-hmm. which is fine. He's got totally other other interests and he's actually really, uh, it's weird, man. He's super conscientious and respectful and all this kind of stuff. And you mm-hmm. know, My wife and I are looking at each other like, did we raise both kids? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure. It's like, oh, you know, I mean, they there is something called uh, autonomy and agency. Kids are going to be what they're going to be to some extent. You can do what you can you can do to try and mold it. But uh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's a so. that's a that's a tough one. And it's you know, it makes me think about the Wall Street Journal has been hammering Facebook recently with yeah. a series of articles about all of the, the issues with Facebook and one of them being their plan. Well, well Instagram and how it is self-reported making teenage yeah. emails, right? Feel yeah. about themselves. Oh, and this yeah. is self and it's self-reported, which is much different than a than a, a study where they're reaching out to people. And then think also, about it. If you if you were at a vulnerable age, yeah, and and this is going to be difficult for you to do, but you know, think of yourself as a, a girl at a vulnerable age, and you couldn't be happy with yourself unless you had a filter on every picture that you made. Yeah, imagine how that would make you feel because you know that that's not you, right? Yeah, that would make yeah, you no, feel it's, terrible. You yeah, know? it's and then you see. So the the best the best way that I've heard this described, and I can't remember who, who said this. I wish I could attribute to them, but it's not my my saying. But I. I always say this to my child. I always say, don't forget that what you're doing, especially things like Instagram. So this whole thing came up with like, they were working on Instagram for kids. Look, I can't imagine yeah. something worse than Instagram. <laughs> but is that you're comparing your insides to someone else's outsides. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right? So you have to be, the, it's a new version of keeping up with the Joneses. It's a new version of the grass is always greener on the other side, but it's much more, you're exposed to it in real time. It's just oh, not, it's not on crack, man. Yeah, it's not good for you. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't remember where I was going with that, but uh, if anybody wants to check out the, all the articles that the Wall Street Journal has been doing on Facebook, it almost is starting to feel like personal and vindictive, <laughs> like they yeah. have an agenda, yeah. which they very well, they very may have. But it's really, oh, I was just saying about just technology and kids and just like the addiction of it and just how it's hard. It's really hard to know when, yeah. when to allow it because I don't want, I don't want to raise a child that is scared of technology or doesn't know how to use it safely in, in, in a healthy way. Yep. Um, the same way I feel like my parents modeled alcohol to me, which was, it was a, where every once in a while they had a drink and it wasn't a big deal. And so it wasn't a big deal to me, right? Yeah, I um, offer the beer and the wine to my kids every time we're out anywhere. Right. And they're all just like, they, they smell, they're like, ew, gross. And yeah. I let them try a sip every now yeah. and again. I agree, That's- man. I agree with the more European model of that as opposed to the Puritan model that a lot of people have here, which is keep it away from them. I, I think it just makes them desire it. You know, they want to yeah, go no, crazy. Exactly. And I feel like the more that we would then, if you make a, other than the situation that you may have found yourself in, which is quite different, but if you just are real harsh about it, they, they tend to want that. So yes. you have to be yeah. careful. Yeah. yeah. It's a minefield is one of the biggest struggles of parenting. 
thing, I think, is managing the devices and stuff, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, you you know me pretty well, and we joke around a lot, but let me just tell you something. Let me assure you of one thing. Mm-hmm. There's a certain line with me. I'm uh, a Taurus. I don't believe in astrology at all, but it is true. Yeah. It is true that if you you cross the bull, you get the horns. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I'm slow to anger, and, you know, I'm pretty laid back and can do all this kind of stuff, but, man, when you cross that line... Yeah. You are you are in trouble. You have to powder. I'm gonna your, leave it. I'm gonna leave it. It'll be yeah. so red. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it there that a line has been crossed. Yep, okay? absolutely. And I may be able to tell you the fair market value for a ten year old child. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, but moving moving on. I, I just thought that would be interesting to discuss. Yeah, no. It, again, all of us are in tech, and a lot of us either have kids or will have kids, and you know, this stuff happens. This stuff happens. And I agree with you, man. It's hard because Tyler has a very strong interest in tech and you want to encourage that. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, at, at what point is it becoming unhealthy? And that that is a it's a difficult thing to know. And I think the answer is whenever. Well, first of all, whenever something like this happens, obviously, but but whenever <laughs> the normal day to day things that they're supposed to be doing are impacted by the thing, you know, whatever the thing is, it could be anything. You mm-hmm. know, you could even argue that potentially Olympic athletes, you could say that, hey, the stuff that they have to start doing at the age they have to start doing it. Absolutely. That could be unhealthy for them, too. Um, Totally. Yeah. But, you know, I I think that's a whole nother discussion because I don't there are many sports that if you don't do that, if you don't do that, I don't think you will ever reach Olympic athlete status if you don't start at a very young age. And then, you know, I don't know. It's kind of kind of dicey. Moving on. I wanted to talk to you about EEConf. So Expression Engine Conference just happened. Mm-hmm. I believe it was mm-hmm. a, a two-day conference. And I wanted to get the inside scoop from EE Insider. And I understand <laughs> you are the on-scene reporter from EE Insider. Is that right? That is not true. And Andrew is referring to a site I used to run many years ago, Over started over a decade ago, and ceased running many years ago. About I just like, loaded up eeinsider.com. Yeah, and no, I think you're lying to me, Ryan. Why? The page loads. There's news stories up there. So what that is, is I actually, yeah, there's a news story from 2016. What actually, you know, that what that is, is I, the whole site crawled and generated static files. And that whole site is served from an AWS S3 bucket. Why though? Why do you, why are you hanging on to this? Is it, you can't let go of the, the SERP? You really think that you're going to, no. like what, what? Uh, I just, part of me just, when I made that decision, it was just in keeping with just the, the idea that we shouldn't break links online, that we should continue to keep things running and continue to keep. And I know that sounds like old man yell, yelling at cloud style stuff now, but I still think that, you know, we do it. So it doesn't, what does it cost me? Like 20 cents a month or something to keep that up there? I have no idea. Not much. I think this is the online equivalent of hoarding though, right? You're, you're kind of it's, keeping stuff around that you're never going to use. That's true, but it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't ever think about it. I don't do anything. This is the opposite of the AWS bill hits my Amex every month. And that's, that's, right. the, only, that's the only like thing I have to do with it. But if you think about it, so if these were physical goods in some way mm-hmm. and they were cluttering your house, you would oh, probably get rid of them at one point, right? You'd throw them out, right? 
Right. And maybe even you'd be environmentally conscious. Maybe you'd even recycle them. By keeping this site up, you're actually kind of doing the opposite because you're putting the electricity and the, the money and the server CPU and all that. And it's it's being spent to keep this stuff, keep this stuff out there. I, I don't know. I mean, is this something you want to show to your child one day and be like, look, that, uh, this is mine. Is that it? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, a, it's really very low effort. And it's it, honestly, there's probably a very little resources involved in keeping that up and running. It's one it's one bucket on an AC, S3 account. I feel like you have problems letting go, Ryan. So do you have, <laughs> you know, in, in weird, you know, stuck between the pages of some of your books or, you know, in mm-hmm. a folio somewhere buried in your basement? Do you have, you know, all the pictures and letters from ex-girlfriends that you're still clinging to that are that are down there? No, 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 no. I do have all the letters to my to and from my wife when we lived apart for a while when we before we got married. All right. I'm just I don't, saying. No, I'm, not, I'm actually not a. I'm actually the opposite of a of a hoarder. When we moved from North Carolina to Texas and we were getting ready to sell our house in North Carolina, I I went up in the attic and took everything out of the attic that we hadn't touched in the seven years that we lived in that house. Put it in the backyard and called one eighty heart got junk and said, please take all these things. Please take it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want anything to do with it anymore. Yeah, I've got I've got a barn here that I work out of. Mm-hmm. And the the lovely thing about having extra land and extra storage space is when you want to put something away or you just can just shove it somewhere. The horrible thing about that is that you're not forced to get rid of it. Yeah. So, Have you ever seen a farm? It's like just stuff everywhere. Right. So I and I, I actually did a whole bunch of work on this earlier this year and I still have stuff to do, but I bought like a whole bunch of organizing stuff and I threw out a bunch of stuff, but I still have like a decent amount of stuff that I want to organize over there. But just the sheer amount of stuff that is there is uh, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. You know, it's really easy to accumulate stuff. But all right, man, if you if you say so, I'm just yeah, I'm thinking that um, so I don't you can I let go of the to- insider. Yeah, I don't have anything to do with the the conference. I haven't watched any of the videos, but you saw something with the front end editing on EE Pro that you want to talk about where it's it's a what did you call it a reverse a reverse live preview that like we have on Craft CMS. Yeah, well you can just steal my thunder and the big reveal. That that's cool, Ryan. Just just do that right up front. Let's just do that. And I want to make this clear like I'm not bagging on EE. I'm mm-hmm. actually looking at this from the point of view of I have been down this road where you're working on something and you 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 take one step down and you keep working and you you are led to a whole series of conclusions. Mm-hmm. And you you think that the thing that you have produced is fantastic. And then someone turns to you and says, oh, you just did X, Y, or Z. And you're just like, oh, man. Yeah, that, that is kind of what ended up happening here. <laughs> so let's let's frame this to make have it make more sense. Okay. So a long time ago, I don't even remember what year it was. I'm going to say uh, like 2009. I, I don't know when it came out. But Ellis Lab, the company that makes Expression Engine, which is a CMS, they came out with this thing called Mojo Motor. Mm-hmm. And the idea was it would be a simple front end CMS where you see the web page and then if you're logged in you can click a little edit button and the stuff that's on the page will then become editable mm-hmm. and it's actually very similar to Chrome some people don't know this but Chrome has this thing called design mode which is actually really cool and if you've never tried it before you should totally check it out what you can do is if you open up Chrome and then open up the console you can do document dot design mode equals quote on end quote semicolon and hit return mm-hmm. and then what happens is you're the 
editor or sorry, the web browser becomes an editor. Like you can so just, just click on elements that are on the page and edit them. You don't have to inspect, just click like right on like, uh, yeah. text. Yeah. And, and it becomes edit. sort of like, it's actually kind of fun. <laughs> like you can do some, some pretty cool stuff with that. And we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But so that was Mojo Motor and that that died a horrible death for whatever reason. I, I really don't know. It just didn't catch. You might know. EE Insider was probably right on right on scene and knew what exactly what happened. Right. Yeah. So Mojo Motor was announced on June 1st of 2010. Uh, I just pulled it up on EE Insider. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know why it died. I don't think it, I assume it didn't do very well. It didn't solve a problem that they wanted to solve. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I, I, yeah, it was, this was 11, 12, what, 11 years ago now. Not sure. And for anyone who is nostalgic, someone has actually made it a GitHub repo <laughs> right. for Mojo Motor and they're trying to, trying to bring it back. I don't know, just as an, an experimental thing, I guess. I don't know. We'll put a link to that in the show notes too. In any event, one of the things that they announced at the Expression Engine conference is this thing called Expression Engine Pro. And, you know, I'm a, interested in the space. So I'm like, oh, cool. What is this Pro? It's got a number of features in it. One of the, probably the biggest major feature that is in there is something kind of similar to Mojo Motor, where you can be viewing the front end of the page and then you can hit a mode, which is edit mode, and then you can start editing. And I, I watched a, a video of uh, one of the developers explaining, you know, how they ended up where they were and doing the feature. And, you know, he said initially the, the idea was we would just do inline editing and that didn't work. What they ended up with was that you, when you enter the editing mode, a little icon appears next to the thing and you click it and a window opens up, not ah. a modal, but a window. And this is relevant. The window opens up and it has a a small all of the Chrome of whatever the field is that you're editing right there in line. And the huh. reason why the window part of it is relevant is that you can open up as many of these as you want. And they actually sort of developed a in-browser windowing system because you can make this look like you're the finder in the Mac, you can just open up a whole bunch of them and you can overlap them and drag them around and resize them and do all that kind of stuff on it. And then here's the, the slippery slope part of this is they said, well, all right, so we went beyond simple editing of titles to be able to open up these windows that had the full field editor and we've already gone down that route. Now we need access to more stuff that's in the CMS. So they may, they came up with a dock. So there is literally a dock in this Windows yeah. GUI that they have there. And so we really are getting to the point where we're kind of recreating the finder in the browser in a way. And the doc gives you what you would expect. It gives you access to some other parts of the backend CMS in the front end. And then they said, okay, but what about custom modules that are plugins that might want to add some significant functionality? How can we make those available in the front end? And so they came up with an idea of prolets, which are these little icons that sit in the dock along with some other system access stuff. And you click on them and another window opens up with the GUI for this you know, third-party add-on thing that is in there. And I'm looking at this, and it's one of those things where when you look at the tech and what they've done, you're like, all right, that's kind of cool. You know, mm -hmm. they were able to do that. But then you think about it, and I'm like, that is just backwards live preview. You know, because the actual web page itself is the preview. And instead of that being inside of the CP with all of the controls laid out, it's still on the front end, but they just took everything that was in the back end and they brought it to the front end. And the danger here is the slippery slope thing because they have brought so much from the mm. back end into the front end. Literally what they've done is they've created a reverse live preview with yeah. a different GUI with with just instead of the, the fields being edited, you know, in sequence, 
sequential order, the fields now open up in windows that can be dragged and moved around and put wherever you want. I think it's too much, Ryan. I think it's I, one I wonder of those if things. It's, uh, two different, not code bases, but two different components to edit uh, a field here versus edit a field in the traditional control panel backend. Well, uh, I think the Chrome is different. I think the actual code for the, uh, because the they same. said third party stuff works without yeah, modification. Yeah. So I think it's just the, it's so really, it's just the, the Chrome around it and the GUI containers that it's organized into are different, but they really just, all they did is flip it. Yeah. And I'm not sure this is a good thing because I understand the idea is to make it easier to edit stuff on the front end. I get that. But then they went down the road of, but what, but what if they need to do this? But what if they need to do that? And where you start bringing in so much of the stuff that was in the back end that you've lost the simplicity that you were going for in the beginning. And you're essentially just recreating the CP in a finder interface on the front end what do you think i mean maybe that's the maybe that's where they're going to differentiate themselves i mean that's one of the problems that content management systems have right now is that it's really hard to differentiate yourself from everyone yeah. else and yeah. maybe that's maybe that's where they're going i don't i don't know and i i don't say i say this like truly like i don't know if there's a a need for that type of editing do people want to edit in that in that way i know with like wix and squarespace like you do get that visual editing where you just edit rate like in like a a WYSIWYG style thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. But this is not that. This is not editing right. in a like, WYSIWYG style. It's kind style. of like an in-between thing, but I, like yeah. for the type of projects that you would use something like Expression Engine, do the editors want that type of interface for editing? I don't know. And it's pro, right? So so is it pro to me would be headless and where you can use it as like an API. Like it's more of software development features versus editing f- capabilities. But again, yeah. I think it's hard to differentiate yourself in the CMS space. Maybe this is their shot at it. I did see that their pricing is subscription, either monthly or annual for pro versus which is a a good idea yeah one-time license and then you know craft does a one-time license and then a small annual fee to support the development of updates which um which is actually like a honestly like a really good deal for the people buying the software i mean craft puts so a lot of cms has put way more than 59 dollars a year in value back into their systems um i don't know man like i'm I'm looking at this thing and i think it's a really interesting from an engineering point of view yeah. Uh, but I do think that it is, in my opinion, it's going to end up being sort of a case study in what happens when you go down the slippery slope on stuff like this. Because <laughs> as you said, this is an in-between thing. Mm-hmm. So if someone, like, first of all, I think the idea of making it easier for product owners or content authors to edit their content, I think is laudable. I mean, obviously that is a fantastic goal. And I think most CMSs, craft included, have a lot of work to be done to make that easier. The problem is that they have been bringing in so much of the functionality of the back end to the front end that I think they have muddied that goal to some extent. And then it's, as you mentioned, it's this in-between thing. So if a, a editor or a content author or a product owner is there and they're like, oh, cool, I'm going to edit this headline, but I want this headline to appear over here. They can't do that. They can't do it. If if they if they say, you know, I want this block to, you know what I'm saying? So it's this weird between this and like what you can do with like Squarespace or right, right where you can actually move things around in on the page and stuff. Like it's still fixed. I assume it's still fixed based on the template. And I know yes. you know more about this EPro thing than I do, but if I assume it's still fixed. And it's the same thing we, you know, if we when you use craft, right? 
right? You're still dealing with the, the fixed components as well. They're just kind of yeah. fixed on the page. But in, in the end, I think that what they have done is not created a front-end editing mode. I think they have just created a reverse live preview mm -hmm. where they, they've got, instead of a live preview being on the side and the editing controls on the left or whatever the arrangement is, now the, the live preview is the whole page and they've got a Mac OS window interface on top of it, which I'm going to call it here. I don't think this is going to be a good direction to take it. I just don't. Right. Andrew know. has weighed in. Judge Andrew. Well, you know, and I do it. For, I'm saying this also, I'm kind of sympathetic because I have done this. Like, I, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I have definitely done this where I've invested an incredible amount of time working on something and ending up at a point and then just being <laughs> like, oh, my God, what did I what did I do? Yeah, no, I do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be curious to see it launches on on the 6th of October. Yeah. So just probably soon after this podcast is out. Correct. Um, yeah. So I'd be curious if they, I would actually try it out if they have a trial because just purely out of curiosity yeah. and see what's going on. I haven't used Expression Engine in a long time, so I'd be curious to see what's what's. I going think on. this is not so on a technical level. I think it's really cool. Like mm -hmm. I think what they have accomplished is is pretty awesome. I think the I don't want to say failure because I haven't even used it yet, and but the problematic part of it I think is more from a product owner point of view in terms of at a higher level what is this doing I think is where the the issue is here not the the technical implementation because that actually well, so looks really cool. It's the roadmap it's like what where are we yeah. going like what's the trajectory of the of the product and who is this for you know what I mean like who who is this for and, and have we really made things easier for that executive or you know whatever like what what have we accomplished how much easier it is, is it for them to do x y or z as opposed to logging into the CP and doing it. I don't know. Hopefully when it comes out, we'll, we'll build, I always want to kind of look at it and try it and see. The one advantage that I can see is it's contextual from the point of view of the, the person can go to the web page and they can say, this is what I want to edit, right? As opposed to going in the CP and fumbling around and trying to find it. But maybe the answer there is something like uh, Will Brower and I think uh, WordPress, they have a little button that if you're logged in, there's an admin bar and you just click edit this page and it will just take you to yeah, that page I'm, in the CP. I've and done then that you just do clients. your thing there. But, you know, maybe that's the answer in terms of making the context easier. So I'm curious enough to want to see it for myself. Yeah. So it sounds like there's all sorts of new things dropping in in, in October. Isn't the Nuxt 3, isn't that coming in October as well? Nuxt 3 is coming in October and I'm going to be battening down the hatches and converting some stuff over using Nuxt and nice. seeing where we go with that. I'm nice. looking forward to that, especially yeah, because it uses Veet, which is something that I have been enthusiastically adopting and have even made some plugins for Veet and for Rollup. I've also it, adopted it, but maybe not unenthusiastically, but maybe just less enthusiastically than you. <laughs> Fair enough. That's fine. I mean, it's just a tool that accomplishes a goal. But also, I am looking forward to it because I get to use Vue 3, which has been rewritten in TypeScript, and I want to be using TypeScript everywhere. So I'm pretty thrilled to be able yeah. to start doing this. Now, very possible that in a month into it, I'm just like, Jesus, Brian, like, what am I doing? <laughs> Why is this? Why is this a thing? What are you going to um, use for your for the the data endpoint, like the GraphQL endpoint? You're going to use Craft. You're going to use one of the headless hosted headless CMS tools. Do you know yet? So I'm going to be using Craft, and that is actually one of the points of the exercise. Actually, is a side benefit that I get from doing this is I'm going to be able to write some helper libraries and some functionality for my plugins to ensure that they work super super well 
Nice. Headless, nice. because I'm going to be using them headless. So there is that dual kind of benefit of doing that. But I also want to see how easy it is going to be to divorce the front end from the back end and do it in that manner. You know, that also does lead the flexibility down the road that if I did want to switch out the back end, I could do that. I don't have any plans to do that. I'm more interested in this from a front end point of view for the, the actual website itself. For some other projects, I very well might be using Nuxt in that dual role where it's running on the server and it's running on the client. Mm -hmm. And instead of PHP sitting there running something, it'll end up being just, just the Nuxt app. So Yeah, I was going to use see. it for my personal site, but I, I was planning on maybe just doing it just with Markdown first instead yeah. of... The, having to spin up a whole CMS for it. Since my personal site is, it's actually running microblog right now. Yeah, but yeah, that was part of the point really though, for me anyway, was that mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to switch out the front end and not the back end. Like I want to, and I, you know, I've done this before to one degree or another, but I want to do this with my own personal project with Nux 3 because it's going to be in beta, right? So I don't want to be monkeying around with this stuff on uh, on client work. But I, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be kind of fun to do, and uh, we'll see where we end up going with that. One of the other things I wanted to talk to you about is we've got this dot all conference thing coming up soon, and it has switched over to be an online only conference, despite Brandon's Brandon doesn't like online. Conference. <laughs> I think the, I think this was the last thing that they they wanted end up doing. I still think it's going to end up being uh, fantastic and, and anyone who is interested in craft CMS should should actually should definitely check it out. But what do you think about this whole thing moving to online? I mean, I I do a ton. Everything I do is online, like all my training videos. And it's a world that I've been living in. I'm comfortable in. And I feel like I've gotten pretty competent at communicating uh, online. I get that you don't get the... I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> I understand that you don't get the 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 face to face communication and the the networking and just seeing people that you've seen and and or even like those ad hoc conversations meeting people yep, yep. and and weren't meeting new people like it's so it's never it's never going to be like that it's it's you're still at the end of the day it's yet another time spent sitting staring at a screen and the nice thing about something like dot all in person or any conference in person is that you can attend those with a paper notebook and take pictures of slides for things that you want to remember and not really have be staring at a laptop i'm with you man i go to these conferences for the people yeah i mean honestly that is the, the reason that i go and in fact i'm going to tell a kind of funny story the first time I met Ryan. Ryan was actually having a in-depth conversation with someone about his video site. Uh, I think it was like <laughs> right. uh, it was Ian a, Landsman or, or someone who actually it was, Ian, was. I think yeah, someone who yeah, yeah. is very competent, you know, doing this this type of thing. And I'm just sitting there. Nobody knows me from anybody. This is you know long time ago. Yeah, this and is I just kept on Ryan. You could do this, that, the other thing. You know, and we're talking. I was talking to you about this stuff, and I could see the look in your eyes. It's like, who is this idiot? I want to talk to Ian about this. I don't know who this dumb. <laughs> Is. Why you, is why is he why is he talking to me? You know, it's funny though that you that the, our first encounter was you giving me advice based on your experience. I think this was for some of the other subscription sites that you had done. Yes, like that. right. Yeah. And it was interesting that you did that because that's even just as of Friday, like we're still having those same types of conversations. So <laughs> that was in 20, that, I think that one was in, was that 2015 or 2016? Yeah. It was quite 
quite a while ago. But that's um, sort of in in to some extent the way I am in that I am very easily open to just talking to people. Yeah. And you know, I I, I realize that it can be a little overwhelming. You know, when mm-hmm. you're just like, who is this idiot? Why is he talking to me? <laughs> what does he know? You know, whatever. But the the thing about conferences also is that you're captive. Yep. So you buy your ticket to this conference, the in person conference, and you're going even if a particular show or not show a particular speaker maybe you think it doesn't interest you you're gonna you're gonna watch it right because you're already there you're already in the auditorium there's a little snack bar out there everyone else is there you're kind of you're, you're committed you know what i mean yeah. like you are signed up and you're there for it i think with online conferences it's a lot easier to just cherry pick look at the titles you're like this doesn't interest me that doesn't interest me this doesn't interest me oh i know this person i'm gonna watch this you know whatever and i think that you probably will miss some talks that might be actually really good because you all you did was look at the title and it's so easy for you you're not captive you can just click a button and close a window yeah what do you think no i agree and i think that it's to, to kind of extend what you're saying a little bit further is that attending a conference if you pay all that money to go see it i think there's also you have a little bit more right. invested and then also it should be work there should be some work involved in attending a conference where you are you're having to push yourself a little bit. Maybe you're sitting in a talk that is slightly above your current knowledge level of the topic, but you have to push yourself to kind of stick with it. There should be a little bit of work there. Conferences aren't all socializing, nor should they be just all just nerding out. There should be a mix of both, but there should be a little bit of effort and work involved to get the most out of the conference. I agree with you, but I'm laughing because I think there's a huge chunk of people that it's the entire opposite. It is a lot of these conferences are little vacations that they can take. Yeah. You know, maybe they love their family, but it's still nice to get away from their family every now and again. And the job or, pays for it. Or the job pays for it. Or if you're self-employed, it's a it's a deduction. Mm-hmm. Or I've always wanted to go to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And this is yeah. an excuse and I can write it off and the business can pay for it. And I think there are a lot, and not even just in, in the tech business, but I see it all over the place that there, I, I knew some people that were very involved in financial services. And man, they would just pick the ritziest, nicest island to go to. You know yeah. what I mean? Where it's just, they're not even trying to hide that this is this is a vacation. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think about that aspect well, of these I mean, conferences? That's not my that's not my style. I will say though that when Dot All was in Berlin, I absolutely enjoyed every moment of it. Yep. Um, because I love Berlin as a city. It was really good to be back there again and be staying in a central location. And I had some extra days. I was able to take a train and go see some family. But I don't when I go to a conference, I'm doing it as time away from my family. And I like to take trips with my family and so I, I just see it as it's to me, it's it's work. Like I want to go and be very focused on what I'm trying to do. A lot of times if I'm not talking or, or you know, speaking or teaching, then I want to try to get as much out of it as I can. And for me personally, my my social cup can get depleted very quickly. So right. like I try to strategically have as many interactions as I can before I have to you know refill and then go back out. So you don't, I'm not the kind of person that's, I'm not going to be out late at night drinking. I kind of see, well, maybe not. I mean, I'm not sure what your experience is. But I kind of see the quality of the conversation sort of diminish, diminishes as it gets later into the night. Well, it depends on what you're what you're after. But yeah, that's I'm, true. I, I'm Ryan. I'm gonna call you out, man. I'm yeah. gonna have to call you out. Yeah, go for it. I remember being at a conference mm-hmm. with you. And I remember coming up and you were hanging out on the deck and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go in and listen to the speaker. Are you coming in? You're like, no, I'm just going to hang out here. 
<laughs> oh, okay. All right. And then I, I come back out and you're out there doing whatever. And then you know, we, a little break between speakers. Yeah. I'm like, all right, right. I'm going to go back in. I'm going to go see this uh, speaker. And you're, are you coming? You're like, no, no I think I'm just going to, I'm going to stay here. I think you spent the entire damn day, Ryan, on the deck. On the deck. On the was deck. That, in, that was in Berlin, right? Was that in Berlin? I'm not sure. I don't yeah. remember. They all blend together, but I remember the events. I remember it happened. Okay. That was not the, the studious Ryan trying to get the most. <laughs> well, I mean, going to, I didn't say go to everything. I said just uh, go to, yeah. And it just depends. Oh, oh, oh. All right, Andrew Welch. Uh-oh. Okay. So here's, I, I take it a little bit differently than you do, I think, which is that I don't view, okay. So I don't view them as pure vacations. Mm-hmm. If a if a talk if I think I'm really going to get something out of a talk I absolutely you know pay attention to it. I'm not taking notes though I'm not doing that kind of thing I more look at the the speakers as people that can open my mind to ideas or techniques or technologies that I I hadn't considered using before right so I don't I'm not trying to figure out where to put the semicolon I'm trying to get a cool higher level idea of stuff that I can look into later mm-hmm. and I do very much enjoy the the, the social aspect of, of going to these things, the hard work that I put in and I put hard work in quotes that I do when I go to these conferences typically has ended up being sort of impromptu collaborations with people there. Okay. So, you know, for instance, Josh Angel and I at one of the conferences, I don't remember which one it was, there there was some kind of thing being, uh, some kind of workshop being presented and he and I were sitting next to each other and we were both the kids in the back, not paying attention to the teacher <laughs> because we were working together on getting this auto complete thing working with uh, PHP Storm and, and GraphQL. We're like, well, there has to be a way to do this. And we're like, we're we're totally ignoring what's being presented, but mm-hmm. we're working on something and we're doing something really cool. And by the end of the day, we had, you know, I had a blog post out and boom, it was up in there. So we were working, but mm-hmm. we were doing it a little bit off script. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, no. So you were, you, you were, the, you were one of the people with your laptop, with your head buried in your laptop the whole time. No, this was during the actual workshop. We were done by the time. <laughs> was After that, we were just out having drinks. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, fair enough. I guess everyone can just do whatever they want for the conferences. This so. is where you can say, I can see why you couldn't finish that damn book, Andrew. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't you want to say something about the reading level, by the way? Uh, the reading level? Mm. So most books, at least in the US, mainstream novels, those types of books are written basically around like the fifth grade reading level. That's a pretty standard reading level. Newspaper articles, things like that, all fifth grade reading level. And so I can see why sometimes it would be hard for you and I'm trying to think to, to not get in to not be able to read a book like you read when on your vacation when you were tired because it actually takes more effort to read a book that is a, that is above the typical like reading level of what you read go to like so you're, you're saying that I'm a dummy and no, you're saying I'm that saying my that, reading like, level you're saying is about on par with what with uh, Thomas Train is that what you're saying every day if you go to like Google News or whatever the news source is that you read from and you read an article or if you read somebody's blog post or if you read a a how-to article for something that they are typically all written around the fifth grade reading level. When you get into something that has more complex structure of uh, content and uses different vocabulary, then, I mean, you even ran into this with like some vocabulary words that were just, what the heck is this word? That it just becomes, it's a harder read. And it's like, again, it it just requires, it's, you know, you've done, you do a lot of of hiking. You've done, I don't, did you do triathlon? I forget what you said you did in the past, running. But you know that part 
of it, there's just hard work that is involved in doing it. And it's not always yes. fun. And sometimes that's what it is with reading too. Once you get into the the more complex text where, especially older stuff, well, your book was written in, I don't know what year that one. Late, late 1800s, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So again, it's also even just a different style. Of, yeah, there's of a, an well. algorithm. I think the classic one is Kincaid Fleischman, I think is the one where it does mm-hmm. a reading level analysis. But there, there are a number of other ones that, that do it too. You're probably right on that count. I mean, the thing is about, it wasn't that, honestly. It wasn't the difficulty of the book or the approachability of it. You're right that on a lot of these things, whether it's, um, you know, the marathons or weight training or whatever, the hardest part of it, I think, is mental. It's just being like, all right, look, I may not be perfectly here, but I got to do this. I got to sit down. I got to do it. I can't make excuse. It's just, it has to happen. And this was supposed to be a book that I was supposed to be reading for enjoyment on vacation, right? So I wouldn't want it to be that difficult anyway. But you're right that there was vocabulary in this book. And I remember reading it with my wife and she, I was reading in bed and she would see me like go to my phone and she's like, are you looking up another word? I'm like, yeah, I'm looking up another word. Okay. You know, she's like, do you know how to read? I'm like, yes, I know how to read. How dare you? Now you're actually a good reader for looking the word up if you can't understand the meaning meaning based on the context of the sentence or the sentences surrounding it, if you can't yeah. determine the meaning, then you do look it up. And I, I tell my kid this all the time. I said, if, if you can't figure it out through context, then look it up because otherwise you're going to be reading all these books. You'll be passing up all these new opportunities to learn new words. So I just dropped in a link to an article that I wrote on CraftQuest to see. So this is the, it's the Flesh Kincaid reading. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. So Flesh Kincaid reading uh, the grade level for the article that I wrote was 5.9. So basically almost sixth grade level, but not very good. The readability test results from this tool that I'm using was a 65, which means it should be easily understood by 12 to 13 year olds. Mm -hmm. And that is, and this is an article that I wrote actually with Grammarly. You know the tool Grammarly? I do. So I'm a paid user of it. I use it all the time just to catch passive use of the passive voice, which isn't, while it's acceptable and used widely in like German and other languages in, in English, it's not acceptable. And then just for other things. So I, all my writing is technically good, but it's also, again, it's written at that like fifth, sixth grade level, which is pretty typical. It's not. But the, the thing is, I actually, one of the things I enjoyed about reading Moby Dick, Herman Melville, I actually yeah. really enjoyed learning about some of these old words that were in there and, and not yeah. even old words that were in there. People just don't speak today the way that they did back then. And then also the writing probably was a little bit different too, in terms of people are trying to show off how scholarly they are. Oh by, yeah, totally. You know, how literate they are by putting stuff down. But it was also all of the nautical terms that I had mm-hmm. no idea about that were super, super interesting to me when I was reading that. This book, probably every other page, there was every four pages, I should say, there was probably a word or two that I I was just like, I'm not really sure what that means. And I feel so much better because you were making fun of me and I called you out. I was just like, all right, Ryan, you think you, you, I didn't you're know so the word. smart? Yeah. Like, I am I am relatively well-read. I realize I may come off as a Neanderthal or you know a bike mechanic or whatever, but I actually am relatively well-read. Even though I haven't done it in decades, okay? And so I, I fed you some of the words. I'm going to say one of them now. One of them was declivity. Yeah. Declivity. And you had no idea what that was, which is I knew it was fine. related to proclivity. 
Trinity. And then the other word was recrudescence. Yeah, I don't know that recrudescence. one. Recrudescence. And these both of these words were in the same paragraph. And maybe it's a coincidence, but I think that's the page that I stopped reading it, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, that's good. So it's a, a good lesson is there's no shame in setting a book aside if yeah. you realize it's not for you. That doesn't it is mean for you, me, though. It is you for don't me. I'm up. actually in, I'm enjoying this book. Mm-hmm. I would just wasn't in a, uh, you know, I was in a, I would rather go to sleep than read this book mode. And then during the day, there was no time to be doing no reading. Like it was it, a vacation with kids is not the same as just two people going on vacation where you can actually have time to just sit there and relax and, and do something. You're constantly handling one issue or another. You're constantly trying to keep them entertained. You're constantly doing stuff with them. So during the day, there's just zero time to actually do anything like that. And then at night, I was just tired, man. That's what it is, you know. But that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. To have every episode sent to your podcast player, subscribe to our RSS feed, subscribe via YouTube, iTunes, all the things. Ryan, thank you for coming on this Sunday and doing this re-recording with me. No problem. Thanks, Andrew. And pity me, because I'm going to be editing now. man see we we didn't really rehash what we did before hopefully it was a fresh and interesting convo yeah did you see my message i don't i still don't see any waveforms in zencaster for myself well let's find out